This Tuesday, the Legislative Audit Subcommittee met to discuss the findings of three recently completed independent reports which shed light on the effectiveness of healthcare, education, and emergency response in the state of Utah. Cade Minchie, the Utah Legislative Auditor General, and his team are here to discuss these reports in detail with us today. Cade, thanks so much again for joining us. Thanks, Edward. Love being here with you. <laughs> we, we love having you. So, so, Kate, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and take a little second to give us a 30,000-foot view on what exactly these three new reports um, teach us here in the legislature and what can we learn from them? Thanks. Yeah, the uh, audit committee today, uh, we released these three reports, and each of these have a lot of uh, complexity to them. And we'll have Brian and Leah talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the first one on healthcare and state prisons, I'd say from a 30,000 foot level, what we learned there is that there are some systemic deficiencies at the prison that need to be corrected in order to ensure that uh, healthcare to uh, inmates are, is adequate. And then um, we have this you know, really fascinating audit on teacher retention, always an important topic in the state on retaining teachers and working with the education system the, the thing I want to highlight on this audit is we have a wealth of information um, in interactive form that the reader, if they go into the report, if they go in the PDF version of the report, they can click right on these interactive figures. If you have a hard copy, we have QR codes there. Legislators can get into their school districts that they represent, and they can get a wealth of information. We also have an interactive figure that is really neat that looks at the five-year a cycle of teachers and it goes through and, and you can click on that and get a whole bunch of new information. So, I, so if you're interested in teacher retention, spend some time with those interactive figures there um, that we have in that report. And then the last one, always an important topic, 911 calls. Uh, the issue here is that we want to make sure that there's a standard 911 call should be answered uh, immediately. And there's a wait time that has been occurring at um, the Valley Emergency Communication Center VAC. And so they're working on getting that up and we report their progress on that. So this first audit here, this audit of healthcare in state prisons. So we heard a little bit about this uh, during the, the committee meeting. It sounds a little concerning. What exactly from a, a high level view is going on there in the state prison healthcare system? And, uh, and what can we do as a legislature, as a state to help correct those wrongs? Thanks, Edward. Uh, some really important policy consider considerations there. And let me turn it over to Brian Dean, the audit manager, and I think he can get in and answer that question in great detail for you. As Cade mentioned, we found that, um, that management needs to improve systemic deficiencies throughout um, the prison medical operations. What led us to that finding, ultimately, we found that several inmates were given inappropriate or inadequate care. Follow-up and patient monitoring is insufficient. There's improper monitoring of diabetes, um, of inmates with diabetes, and that presents a serious risk to some of those inmates. We also found that st statutorily required national accreditation standards are not consistently being met. Um, there's a lack of oversight regarding inmate health care requests, how they're being entered, how they're being followed up on, and in some cases they're not being followed up on at all. And so addressing those issues, we also found that emergency medical technicians are being used probably in, in many cases beyond their scope of training um, to, ad to address the needs of like um, medication side effects and so, and so forth. 
we've also found that the, the, the uh, corrections department is not adequately protecting inmates' health care information. In a couple different instances, we found um, their, their personal health information, controlled substances um, from the pharmacy and that, discarded into public trash bins that are outside the prison walls. And even after we notifi- notified the Department of Corrections of this, we found the same thing happening several weeks later. We also found that the medical staff, you know, isn't adequately um, diagnosing, and in some case, following um, recognized proce- uh, procedures in addressing some of the patient health health concern inmate health concerns. Um, and then in Chapter Four, we address a number of administrative issues that deal with violations of administrative rule, the way incentives are being um, distributed. We found that the way management is overseeing the program with performance metrics needs to improve. The reporting metrics that aren't reflective of their actual operations, and in some cases, they're altering the data before it comes to the legislature. And so, you know, these kind of all coupled together led us to our finding that management they they need to address these systemic deficiencies. Okay, so all of these systemic deficiencies seem incredibly concerning from from a state management perspective. Do we have any indication as to how we got to this position or what exactly is going on and what can we do to help rectify a lot of these wrongs that are currently taking place within the Department of Corrections? Well, one of our, we also contract, uh, contract it with a, um, a licensed physician who has 40 years of clinical, clinical uh, service experience as a doctor to help us review these cases and his finding from an independent review of the medical cases that we sampled along with our review of the operations within the prison kind of came to the that came to the same conclusion he stated in his report which is an appendix to this report that the degree of insufficient and or inappropriate care that some inmates received raises concerns about the overall operations and management of the prison medical system and then from our review we actually recommend it because of the severity of these findings. We first recommended that the executive director of the Department of Corrections has to ensure that all recommendations are implemented. And we also recommended that the executive director launch an internal review to determine if there's additional changes that are needed beyond what we address in this report in operations and potential changes in in staff too, if that's determined necessary. So next, we're going to move to your second audit. That is an audit of teacher retention within Utah's public education system. Um, we have Leah here uh, that is going to go ahead and present. Leah, so why don't you go ahead and just take a second and walk us through what exactly does this audit, what was the point of this audit, what were we trying to find out, and then what were some of the findings uh, from this audit that was just recently completed? Yeah, thank you, Edward. Um we conducted this audit. It's in the, the fourth in a string of comprehensive education audits um, for which the legislature really wanted to know the root causes of, of issues in education. And so we looked at um, both teacher retention and teacher shortages, and we found that neither of those are a statewide issue. Both of those issues are are looked at more um, appropriately on a local level Separate districts have problems with those things, um, but not statewide. Um, and so we recommend that when we pay attention to those things with stakeholders and legislators and um, that we look at it on a more localized basis. Um, the other part of that is that we looked at it, as, min- as Kate talked about, um, 
the first five years of a teacher's career, um, for which one of those interactive figures are, um, that our turnover rates are much higher in those first five years. And so looking at how we can intervene in those years is really important. Um, and then finally, we were able to talk to over 200 educators in the state just to get their input on some of these things. And, and we were very interested to find that when asked um, what would make you want to stay in the profession, their number one answer was less stress. Um, more wages didn't come up till the third. Um, it was the third most common answer. And so we looked into the wages in, in the state of Utah and found that both starting salaries and um, uh, starting and average salaries, both of those are are commensurate with national averages and are better than most of our surrounding states. Um, this isn't to ignore the pure per pupil spending, but we were also able to find that almost on a, on a, we'll say bang for your buck situation, um, for how much we're able to spend per pupil, we get much higher outcomes than, than most states. Um, most states are spending, spending between three and $10,000 more per pupil to get the same, um, education outcomes. And so on all of this, we recommend better data collection in order to target all of the interventions to places that they're actually needed. Okay, so we have one last audit that we want to review, and that's 911 call answer times for the VECC and Salt Lake City 911. Uh, Brian, do you want to go ahead and explain to us what exactly is going on with 911 call response time here in the Valley? Absolutely. Thanks, Edward. In August of two 2020, we released an in-depth um, audit regarding 911 answering systems and their operations. And when we released that audit, there was some concerns with uh, VEX call answering times because there's a national standard that has been adopted in Utah code regarding that it's called the NINA standard, which is that 95% of all calls have to be answered within 20 seconds. And, and that's a standard that if, if you're below that, then you're, every call needs to be answered within that 20 second standard or 95% of the calls need to be answered within that standard. We found that VEC, which is the Valley Emergency Communication Center, which is the largest um, point, which is the largest PSAP in the state, they were consistently and significantly below that standard. And so the legislature, um, the audit subcommittee, because of that concern, they asked for a six-month and a 12-month follow-up on VEC's call answering times along with Salt Lake City's uh, 911 call answering time. And so it was kind of as a comparison, VEC is by far the largest PSAP in the state. Um, what we found is is that they, in, in the six-month review is that VEC you know, was still significantly below that, but they were working towards it in August, the state went to a new phone system. And that VEC is... In, is trending upwards to to be exceeding that uh, I mean to to be meeting that national standard but as of now they're still below the standard and so um, while we do see signs for improvement the trend is moving in a positive direction they're still below that that um, statutorily required standard and the Salt Lake 911 operating piece app has been consistently for the last several years above that standard so when you say that this Valley Emergency Communication Center, or VEC, is consistently below standard when it comes to 911 response calls. What, what exactly does that mean? If I'm somebody living in South Jordan and I'm making a phone call into 911, what is happening? What it means is that when individuals call into 911, they're being placed on hold. 
And so the, you know, when these calls come in, sometimes, you know, these calls are, you know, seconds can be a matter of life or death. And so they're, they're, it's very important that these calls get, get answered immediately. Like there could be a call coming in for, for a fire or for a medical emergency or for a public safety emergency. And so these calls, they have to be answered immediately. And so when you call, you're, you're being placed on hold. Thanks so much, Brian. Uh, so Cade, thank you so much for, for being here. Is there anything else that you want to iterate uh, or reiterate based off of the findings of these audits or anything else that the public ought to know? I would say, again, that these audits have a lot of detail. We covered some of the highest level here. For those that are interested, uh, please go to our website, olag.utah.gov. Uh, you can get a one-page summary. You can, you can listen to this podcast there. We have a link of it and all kinds of other information. Our contact information is also there. So please feel free to reach out to our office for any additional questions. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. And we appreciate you and the work that your office does in order to help provide the legislature with better information so that we can drive, uh, drive policy with good data.